All right, welcome back to the special edition of the Front Nine Podcast. We are excited to be uh, bringing you this PGA uh, Championship recap right after the PGA Championship. So we just all finished watching uh, one of the greatest uh, finishes. And obviously, you know, Phil, uh, the lefty, sets, I mean, sets, makes history, sets records. Like, it's just so cool to see. Uh, what he's what he did this week and um and 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 if i'm if i'm being honest you know there was a little bit of talk coming out of our text thread about this last week i just want to read you what bob pan texted nate and i last week even though he wasn't on the pod last week this is what he texted us right before the pod um just to make sure he got this in there he said if you need my pga pick i was leaning towards rory but i think i'll go phil the old lefty is good for one more Dot, dot, dot. Just kidding. I'm sticking with Rory. So, um, so anyway, so he was really close, guys. Like, like we, we, you know, we call Bob the, the golf oracle because of his picks. Um, at least early in the season, he was trying to make a joke, and apparently the joke was not a joke. It was actually a legitimate thing. So we just didn't know uh, that Phil had one more left in him. He did. And uh, he proved us all wrong, I think. And uh, and thank goodness that he did, because it was just great to watch. Um, I'd love to hear how did you feel watching it play out today? Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I was like waiting, I think. Um, you, you were really waiting for somebody to challenge Phil on the back nine. I thought the front nine was absolutely electric. You know, they kept using the boxing analogy of guys throwing haymakers. I mean, you come out and I, I texted you guys as it happened. Uh, I got home from uh, a trip to Atlanta right at about two o'clock, just in time to flip on, <laughs> grab something to drink and, and flip on the TV and, and watch uh, the, the final round. And right out of the gate, a two shot swing. Yeah. Phil looks shaky. Brooks looks like just steely focused. <laughs> and I think, man, this is going to be a long afternoon for Phil. Yeah. And then two happens, right? And it's another, you know, it's a three-shot swing. And then, like, there were so many ups and down peaks and valleys just in that last group uh, through the uh, the course of that front nine. It was great golf. Well, great viewing. Not yeah, great it was great watch. Yeah, great it was great viewing. to watch. Yeah, Right. I, it was a ton of fun to watch. I couldn't not watch it. Um, you didn't want to turn away. You thought maybe Streelman, he looked kind of solid there for a while and yeah, fell away. And then you sure. thought maybe, you know, there were some guys, and I know you and I had the, the text exchange. There were some guys who were kind of out ahead of the leaders a little bit. Uh, uh-huh. Sanjay M., Patrick Cantlay. I saw a tweet from JT kind of saying the same <laughs> thing. Like, if yeah. somebody could get to five, it'd be interesting to see what Phil or Brooks or Louis could post if somebody could get to five. And nobody really could. Right. Uh, two or three is kind of where they stuck. And, and so you realized once they made the turn on that back nine where they started playing with a little more help, you know, traditionally, it would have been really fun to play in that wind one more day. Hmm. The wind that when you make that turn, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18 are all into the wind. Right. That's what I wanted to see. Um, because you realized that it was really, unless Phil pulls a wing foot. Mm-hmm. And I was literally like texting people that. Like, you remember wing foot? I played wing foot. Remember wing foot? <laughs> like, this could, like, you can't ever say that Phil is good. Like, remember wing foot? So... Uh, but it, you realize that it was really Phil's tournament to lose. 
yeah. you know, Louis kind of looked like, well, maybe for a second, and then Louis kind of pulled a Louis and didn't really do anything. And and Phil was well, he had that ball in the water on thirteen, he right? Did. Like yeah. Louis. I mean, Louis actually had a chance. Like, I mean, if he if he, I mean, he pipes that drive on thirteen, which is the hardest hole in the golf course, by the way. And, and then he just flares it out to the right, you know, and just made one of the worst swings we saw all week long on that on that hole. So well, that's what Louis does, though. That's Louis. <laughs> that, that's what Louis does. <laughs> that's Louis. <laughs> oh man! And so you know, credit to Phil. I I kept thinking somebody was going to come up and challenge him, and then in the back of my mind, I thought, you know what? Nobody's going to challenge him. I I hope and I pray that he doesn't lose this one. Mm. Like it's one thing if somebody comes and takes it from him. Right. It's another thing if he loses it at right. 50 with the history on the line. Just all of the great things that were swirling out there, all of those topics, all of that history. You didn't want another one of those. Right? <laughs> the, the thing that's burned into my mind forever is him standing on the green on 18 at Wingfoot, like with his head in his hands, like just shaking his head. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like with bones. That's the word. Yeah, that's right the picture. Him. Yeah. Like when, right. when you when he really like, and I think after the round, he's like, "I'm such an idiot." That yeah. was his quote as he walked off the green. "I'm such mm-hmm. an idiot." Right? You didn't mm-hmm. want that to happen. He played too well to deserve that. If somebody came up and shot a 65, and he was only able to shoot 70, then so be it. Right? It's right. one thing that when we talk about that on the pod, it's one thing to be beaten. It's another thing to beat yourself in golf. And right. I was hoping that he didn't. And to his credit, he absolutely didn't. When other guys were falling away and couldn't find a way, he did. So yep. he was the rightful winner this week, in my opinion. Yeah, and absolutely. there were some low scores. There were scores that course could have been taken on Sunday afternoon. I mean, you saw some of those morning guys, Marakawa and Rose and Answer. They all went low in the morning. Now they didn't have a ton of pressure on them, right? So well, that's the question, I, uh, right? Like, would they have done that same thing oh, under I, that pressure? Yeah, probably not. But I, I would have expected someone like Paul Casey or uh, someone who was kind of in that range to go real low and, and get there, you know. Uh, but uh, it just never happened. That that pressure is real. You know, I was listening to the guys talk about it last night on the Golf Channel. Uh, during live from coverage after, you know, yesterday's round had finished and just saying, well, Brooks is obviously the favorite, right? Like, and, and you got to think that Phil's chances are somewhere less than 30% that he actually walks away with a win. I mean, he led, I, he, I'm pretty sure he was wire to wire, right? Like he led after every round. Um, so in my mind, I mean, I think I, like he, but, the, but they were not, no, no one's really given Phil a chance in that regard. They were all, everybody's picking Brooks. And, and to your point, Nate, like coming out of the gate, Brooks making that birdie, Phil making that bogey. Uh, I mean, and then Phil, it, it was just so crazy. Like what you're talking about, like Phil's scorecard. I was talking to my wife about this as I was watching it. Cause we were driving home uh, from Savannah and, uh, and as we're driving home, I'm watching it on my phone. And uh, and Phil's scorecard is bogey, birdie, bogey, par, birdie, bogey, birdie. So, like, out of his first <laughs> in his first seven holes, he had one par, three bogeys, and three birdies. I mean, it was just it was nuts. And um, but but I really felt like it, go ahead, Bob. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say I really felt like that the, the tide kind of shifted and changed though when he made that bunker shot. Um, on five when he made that bunker shot on five um, like that's kind of where I felt like the shift happened 
And it was like, okay, I think Phil realized, okay, I, I have the nerves to do this. Like I can get this thing done. Like no matter what's going to come my way the rest of the way, like I can get this thing done. I can get this thing to the clubhouse. Um, and I can get it there without beating myself. Now, if somebody wants to come get it from me, that's fine. But, but I'm not going to beat myself. And, uh, and man, like, you know, after what happened on Saturday at 12 and 13, just walks up and pipes it on both of those holes. Obviously, 13, a little bit of a, a mishap there um, as he, you know, tried to do kind of like a half swing, keep it out of the wind, um, you know, flight it down. And he, and he just kind of pulled it. I think, I don't think he got the same rotation, pulled it a little bit uh, right and, and ended up just kind of rolling down into the hazard, um, which, you know, he almost made that putt that he was able to drop on the green. He almost made it for par. Um, but just, you know, those kinds of things like he was, and you could tell like watching the coverage, how focused he was on his breathing, how focused he was just in every situation, whenever something would get kind of tight, he would just try and recenter his focus and re uh, commit himself and, and not let it get too big for him and not let it get too emotionally invested. Like he just, he really did a great job. I, I commend him because I mean, that's a, that's a tough place to be, especially when you haven't been there in a while. Um, so, I mean, he hadn't been, he hadn't won a major since what, 2013. I think he won the open, uh, in 2013. So, I mean, that's a, you know, eight year stretch where you haven't, and haven't won or really contended a whole lot in major championships. So, um, you know, to be there and to be able to, to withstand that pressure and, uh, and keep it together, even on such a difficult golf course, that's going to like just bite you. You're going to get bad lies occasionally and those kinds of things. And he didn't let it get to him. He just, he just kept his head down and kept going. The, the, uh, the two shots that stood out to me and one of them, you mentioned, you know, right after he put it in the water on 13 was the putt right after that. You know, and that was like a 60-foot putt, right? It was, it was a you know, huge putt. Mm. Really easy to three-jack that one, right? To leave mm-hmm. it really short. Or, mm-hmm. You know, to leave himself a little, you know, five, six-foot tester. But, uh, you know, he nuzzled, nuzzled it up there real nice. I, I, that, I think, even though it was for bogey, then he made bogey there, that putt, I, I think, really calmed him down. And mm. then the drive on 16 where he just striped it. <laughs> and he just, I, I like those two shots were ones that, uh, you know, you're on the back nine. You're not the, he he has to know, you know, on, on the 16 tee box that if I just if I play even from here on in, no one's going to catch me. Right. And if you make a birdie on 16, it's over, you know. Mm. And he just and that was that was a sweet drive, and mm. uh, th- those are the two shots that when the pressure gets on. Uh, really easy to let those go sideways, like you saw the rest of the field. I mean, everyone, I think, had not everyone, but a lot of the, the leaders, like you said, had various opportunities mm-hmm. to put a ton of pressure on Phil, and they were never able to do that, right? Um, right. And uh, I, 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 Nate, I think you're you're right. It was it, it, it. I was so glad to see Phil win, not lose if that yeah he didn't he, he didn't <laughs> let it go he didn't he 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 finished it out um and, uh, and i was gonna say this earlier and i think i got cut off earlier because my uh I, I lost some some service but it gives you know it like i i think it you look at athletes today and they're excelling as they get older and older right and you see it in some mm. other sports also not just in golf but you see it in some right. other sports um, you know, whether it's tennis or, 
you know, or, or you know, in baseball or even any of those, the, the physical abilities are getting better and better and better as you get older. And I, I think it's just cool. You know, he, he spent a lot of time to put himself into this position. Um, and honestly, sh- should we have been totally surprised that he was in contention? Maybe not that he won, but he had been playing well. You know, he had that really good round at Quail Hollow. You know, he was the leader at Quail Hollow, uh, you know, after I think day one or maybe day two. I can't remember which one. Um, so it's not like he wasn't playing well. Now, putting four rounds together in a major, that's, that's a little right. different. Yeah. But uh, I, I think he would probably tell you he was coming into the tournament with probably a little bit more confidence than like the masters or the players earlier in the year. Mm. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think, I think to what you, I mean, your point is, I mean, I don't know that we all, anybody should be surprised, but I mean, the reality is it's never happened, right? A 50 year old has never won a major championship. And, and so, I mean, I think it is a little bit surprising uh, maybe not that he played well, but that he was able to win. And I and I also think that the other aspect of that is, um, you know, accord, I mean, according to his finishes this year, his best finish was at the Masters, which was a T21 in a place that he knows well and that he plays well pretty much all the time. And so, um, you know, he, he hadn't necessarily, outside of a couple of rounds, shown what, like you, what you were saying, he hadn't been able to put four rounds together uh, throughout an entire tournament, um, except on the champion store. So I was going to say, didn't he set the record for <laughs> winning three consecutive tournaments on the champions tour? Well, I, I don't know. I think he only won two consecutive tournaments, oh, but did he? Okay. Uh, he yeah, I think he won his, I think he won his first two starts and then I think he finished second in like his third okay. one. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, but I mean, he, he definitely was the, you know, he, he's definitely the horse out on the champion store for sure. But I mean, um, you know, but but not not just Phil, right? I mean, there there were other guys in this field who played well at an older age, right? Like Padre Carrington finished tied yeah. fourth. Um, even yeah. Stricker, I think he finished at even par um, for the tournament. Like, I mean, both of those guys are going to be Ryder Cup captains. No one expects these guys to compete and contend, and here they are, man. They're just there's absolutely. Uh, surprising everybody with with just really stellar solid play, and it, and it points to something that Nate said on the pod last week, and I and I give Nate credit for saying this. He said, "I think this is a place where experience, being an experienced player, you're not going to see a first time guy win it. Um, you're going to see an experienced guy come out and 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 win it and be able to put it together because it takes a lot of uh, emotional." Uh, mental uh, stability to to win to win golf tournaments on the PGA Tour, and especially we'll take that at Kiwa, and it was right. And another good another thing that Nate pointed out last week that, that I think he knows because he's played at Kiwa, and you you know this as well, Bob, um, was just how much the weather uh, played an impact. And obviously, we didn't get rain um, or anything like that, like you might get at an Open Championship, but the wind and the wind direction played a huge. Uh, and had a huge impact on this golf tournament. I'd love to hear how you guys felt like that really played out and what you guys thought watching um, just the the grind that those guys seemed to be going through. I mean, at one point we were, we were joking about this on Friday. There were four four groups on 17 because of what was going on. You know, guys were making sixes and sevens left and right on that hole. Yeah, so I, I will say I think Car- – Kerry Haig, the the guy who sets up the tournaments, the championship tournaments for the PGA, did a what I consider to be an extremely fair job 
of interpreting the wind and either moving up tees or making pins a little bit more accessible. They didn't have to do that. If Mike Davis was setting up that course at the USGA, <laughs> this this could have been a, you know, uh, if you could have shot under par, you might have won this week. Um, because I will tell you, me personally, and I think Bob made this point, um, and I think the no laying up guys made the same point, is when you go to Kiowa and you play the back tees, that is not what the PGA Championship plays at at any round. They don't do that. They move tee boxes up because they know some of these wins, like, you know, 13, 12, 10, they're going to be into the wind, so they're going to give them a little bit of benefit and maybe move it up to the the back of the second furthest tee box, right? Or, you know, maybe they want to make a, a whole drivable one day, like they did at three today, which I thought was really good, uh, entertaining television. But ultimately, right, I thought I thought that was one of the coolest things about today's setup was moving that tee box up almost 100 yards and in order to have option. that, giving them make, the option. It and didn't it, make and the it, hole easy. You know, it didn't. really I mean, interesting. Right. I mean, Phil made bogey. A bunch of other guys made bogey on that hole because, like, because they moved up the tees. I'm pretty sure Streelman went birdie, birdie, and bogeyed three because they moved him up and he went for it. And, and I saw Lee Westwood that. drive the ball on the green and then yeah. three putt. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's it's great. Like, I, I, I loved what they did with that hole specifically but, today for sure. I will say, but. On the final round of a major championship, I want to see the hardest wind and the furthest tee boxes with the hardest pins. That's what I want to see personally. Like, I don't care if the players think it's fair or, you know, like, I think you do some of that. Me personally, I think you do some of the gimmicky, cutesy, uh, creative stuff on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. And then you just, it is, everybody should know, this is Sunday, this is a major championship, we are going to find the guy who is hitting it the best today with the most difficult course setup we can find. But not unfair. Not, well, right. but it's going, well, I, who ca- that yeah. term doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, who cares? Man. Bob, when you and I went and played there, did anybody say, hey, listen, Pan and Tincher are coming. Let's uh, <laughs> let's put these pit like no you go play it like they're professional golfers they are literally the best in the world at what they do move the tees all the way back put hard pin positions now today that wouldn't have and I think they you know to some extent they basically did that because if you looked at some of those holes on the back nine all the tees were back the par three fourteenth is really what I complain about a lot when I played and we talked about this on the pod when we played that hole. We probably played it into a 30, 35 mile an hour wind. You hit driver on that hole. Driver. Mm-hmm. We Just played the, the back tees and it was playing probably 235, 240. Mm-hmm. And you had to hit a driver. I hit a three wood because I was too proud to hit a driver. <laughs> I'm not, not going to hit a driver on a par three like my college coach. I don't yeah. have a biggest big birthday in the bag. And because what happens if I make it? I can't tell people I hit a driver for the rest of my life, and I don't right. want to deal with the self-loathing of knowing that I'm lying to everybody. <laughs> so, oh so I, 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 I thought I thought it worked out really well on Sunday because I think when a lot of people go play Kiowa, the appeal for us regular golfers is to go play it where the pros play because I don't mind shooting an 85. I think I shot an 85, and I believe based on how my margin of victory, Bob shot an 86. Um, 
<laughs> I think that that goes without noting. Um, That's what my scorecard says. Something really similar, unfortunately. So, yeah. um, and, and so Which was I, a good eighty-six, by the way. I like, no, I agree. I'm happy with the eighty-five. I still remember. I hit probably the best three wood of my life on thirteen. I still remember, like every time Second I see shot. that hole. No, <laughs> no, first shot. <laughs> I I legitimately because it was my old R11 with the graphaloid blue shaft. It was kind of my Henrik Stenson type club back in the day. Uh, I absolutely piped that thing, and then I ended up getting super scared, and I pulled my shot left. And I ended up making bogey, but that three wood was amazing. <laughs> um, but those are the kind of things that you want to go play Kiowa for. Is you want to play the tees all the way back, and the wind really worked out. I think for the in the player's favor. But if it would have been that same wind that they were playing in that was gusting in their face 20 miles an hour back at them as they worked their way back towards the clubhouse on yeah. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, I wouldn't have been crying for them. That would right. have been a fair test of golf. Yeah. And, well, we, so, and we didn't get that, and that's okay, and it worked out really, really well. But it, it th- th- with that much wind going downwind doesn't necessarily make it easy either. It's not like it was no. a birdie fest out there, and it would never be. But I would have loved to see, as we mentioned earlier, I would have loved to see it have that very difficult wind one more day because I felt like those tees on the back nine, especially those ladder holes, were really set up to see some really good golf, like separating wheat from chaff type activity. Yeah. Well, I think for sure, like definitely the wind into on the first couple of days, especially on those last seven holes or or five holes or whatever it was, um, definitely made a huge impact on, on the scoring. And, but, but, you know, I mean, to be honest, like other than Brooks, I didn't see really anybody that I was watching in the final few groups that played those under par. Um, I mean, everybody was birdieing 16 because it was downwind and people were hitting, you know, six irons, seven irons into the green. Um, and so it's pretty easy. I think they said uh, when I was watching on the telecast, the same that there were there were equal number of eagles that there were to bogeys on sixteen today. So sixteen was playing incredibly easy, but but at the same time, seventeen and eighteen, I watched plenty of guys make bogeys on those holes, um, even though they were downwind. Like you saw Phil, I mean, he hit it downwind, um, and but. But he couldn't stop the ball because it was downwind, and he ended up in the rough, and then just had to kind of hack it out and try and make you know a twenty footer for par. Ended up making a bogey. Um, you know, Ricky had a chance to top five in this tournament um, if he was able to make you know a par on eighteen, and he didn't make a par on eighteen. Um, so I mean, yeah, I, I think to your point, I. I don't know that I agree with you in the sense of like, I want to see the hardest everything. Cause I want, I want, I don't want, uh, I don't want weather or wind to play too much of an impact on the, on the, on the actual score itself. Like I want the golf to kind of be, it's, you know, what it's going to be. And, and so like, I don't want it to be super like, Oh, you know, like this guy was playing better than this guy, but he just kind of caught the bad end of a, of a, you know, cause if you, if you tee off in the morning, I mean, what's to say that you don't get a great draw and you shoot five under and then the guys that get in the afternoon draw are, are hitting a, into a 30 mile an hour wind and, you know, nobody can break par and everybody, you know, <laughs> like there, there are plenty of guys there who are, can't break 78. And then one of those guys that tees off in the morning comes up and maybe, pulls out a win like to me that's not necessarily 
setting up setting up you know the course to be fair for every golfer throughout the entire day and so um which i think you do have to consider i mean that that's something that can happen in a major championship like this if the wind and the weather play too much of a factor but the good part about kiwa is that generally does not happen the wind is fairly consistent from about 10 o'clock forward Right. So by the time even the first groups get, you know, and the, the guys to the that back are plus nine. eight on yeah. those ho- the real holes that it's going to make a difference on, you know, they're, it, it, everybody's going to be playing into it, which is why I think that course is really fair the way it's designed. Yeah. That's what I love about how, you know, basically on, in some combination of nine on both sides of that clubhouse, you got four going out, five coming back four going out, five coming back, right? So you're going to get that kind of wind consistency and speed, you know, direction the same ways kind of all the, all over the place. So, but practically speaking, I think it worked out really, really well. Um, And and I, you know, you you certainly can't criticize the course. I I think the course looked great. It was extremely fair. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I, the outside of, you know, number three, which is really kind of the only gimmicky thing that I can think of, but I do think that right. that made it kind of fun, right? Mm-hmm. Like give guys the option. It's downwind. It's two ninety. What are you going to do? Right. You have guys like Lee Westwood driving the green, making bogey, and you got a guy like Daniel Berger, who's one of the most accurate players on tour. You know, I, I watched him lay it out. You know, hit a six iron out in the middle of the fairway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think he missed his putt for birdie, but he hit a wedge in there to probably. 15 feet left of the pin and, and missed the putt. So, you know, there was a, a ton of different ways to play it. It was a, it was really entertaining to watch. Yeah. Um, I don't think you could have asked for anything more from a major championship. Yeah. No, I, I thought the course was great. I, you know, we would talk about this with the PGA a few years ago at Quail Hollow lost the greens. Uh, we talk about this in the U S open a lot. We talk about this sometimes at the P at, at the, at the open championship, uh, the British open, that, you know, when the wind gets really gusty, you know, it can blow balls around on those greens sometimes and it gets pretty, gets pretty bad. And, um, and that the, to, to the credit of the PGA, they set up the golf course this week in such a way that even though there was tons of wind and those kinds of things, that was never an issue. Um, and, and even if you hit good shots, holding greens was not really an issue. Um, or at least, you know, getting it somewhere to where you could put it and be close and, and have a chance to make birdies. It was an issue. There were plenty of opportunities to make birdies out there. And then there were plenty of doubles that I saw out there. And, um, and, and that to me is the best part of golf is you get to see the best players in the world have opportunities. And then you also get to see the best players in the world get beat up a little bit. And, and I like to see both. I don't, I don't just want to watch them get beat up, but I, but I want to see them have plenty of birdie opportunities as well. Cause if they can capitalize on it, like, I think that 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 makes for uh, great viewing and and watching and a a great fan experience. Um, So I thought they did a great job. Um, Bob, I I would be interested to hear how you feel about this, because I know obviously you live in a different place than 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 Nate and I do. And and obviously with COVID and everything, uh, things are a little bit more open in Nate and I's neck of the woods. But like, how did you feel seeing those thousands and thousands and thousands of fans on 18 just coming together? Um, like, I mean, is that, is that something you look forward to happening and seeing happen in California again sometime soon? Well, you know, it, uh, first it was awesome to see the fans there. Uh, we were talking about this earlier, but sports is best viewed when the environment is conducive to having a ton of people around 
watching the event. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, and Nate made this point, uh, you know, right before the call, where it's sports isn't just about the athletes, right? We, that's not that. That's obviously the main draw, but without the surrounding environment, it's just different. Um, mm-hmm. you know, last year, last year's PGA, you know, which was out here in California. Colin Morikawa obviously won. I, I don't know if Morikawa wins with forty thousand fans on the back nine with the pressure building, right? Like hmm. it, it, maybe he does, right? He, he's, he's a, a great point. player. Hmm. So, I, I to me, that part is great. Um, now, it was really weird seeing that many people without masks and all that stuff out in California, right? <laughs> so that, that was a little weird, but I mean, personally, it was awesome to see, awesome to watch. Um, I think Nate's going to talk a little bit about the the scene at 18 moving down, um, but I, I really enjoyed seeing the fans, and I can't wait for the rest of the year where this starts becoming more and more normal, because sports, whether it's golf, whether it's the, the NHL playoffs, which also has started, and NBA uh, playoffs, NBA, NBA playoffs, playoffs, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, it, it, getting right into the, the baseball season and it, we're, we're kind of getting into this time where, the, you know, we got a lot of stuff going on. I want the fans to be there. It's so much more fun. It's so much more exciting. And I think it also brings out the true champions. Um, mm-hmm. Again, not putting anything against, you know, Morikawa or, uh, you know, DJ at the Masters or any of those, anything else that happened. Just it's different when you've got thousands of people there, both cheering and jeering every single thing you do. It's a different feeling, uh, but it, it's awesome. I, I I really like it. I, I can't I can't no, wait I, for that to be normal. And and couldn't agree more. Uh, when you're watching that scene on 18, after Phil, you know Phil kind of gets down there among the people. And and let me take one second and say, like we <laughs> talked about earlier, I, credit to Phil because I thought. There was a moment when Brooks hit his tee shot. Even the, the, I think Dottie was down there with the group, and you could see the shot tracer kind of bleeding a little bit right. And I think it was either Nance or Faldo said, you know, that's leaking right down towards the sand area, and then it carries the sand area, and it ends up being in a perfect spot, right? Yep. But there's uncertainty on the tee because you really can't see that spot from, from up there. Like, so it shows Ricky Elliott, Brooks Caddy, and Brooks kind of like looking down, like they really can't see what's going on. And, and so you think for a second, okay, maybe, maybe the thought on the tee is that Brooks is in trouble. And so you hope Phil doesn't like, cause at that point, you know, Phil knows the situation. You hope he doesn't think like, you know, I need, I can, you know, I'm going to get tentative. I'm going to take off, take, take a step off the gas pedal because I could see in my mind, yeah, a scenario in which he blows something way right. Oh yeah, <laughs> like you could see it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, it's not like he hadn't done that before. Right. Um, he did it yesterday, and so it was one of those things where it's like, all right, and and to his credit, if you watch, like he took his time. Yeah, he, he was definitely chewing on that CBD gum that he had going, <laughs> um, and and he took his time. He took some deep breaths. You could tell he had made some comments about you know working on his focus and staying mentally sharp all the time through every shot, so that he could follow his process. And he hit a really good drive, right? The, the place where you had to hit it. You have to hit it in the hospitality because you don't want to hit it in the sand areas down there on the beach, right? 
And then as the crowd kind of follows him up and he's in the people, um, he has a decent line. He's only hitting a nine iron because he hit a bomb. So (laughs) as that nine iron hits the middle of the green right there and Dottie says, you know, okay, right at the pin. And it's like, all right, as long as that stays on that middle level, he wins, right? Mm -hmm. Game over. Yeah. And so everybody knows that. And one, uh, to your point a little bit earlier, Derek, like there's a guy who right after that shot, like comes up and like, and I'm, I'm assuming he maybe was overserved and may have had a couple too many, uh, but like taps him on the shoulder and like wants to talk to him. <laughs> and it's like, wh- who the heck is this guy? Get this right. guy out of here. Like, you right. don't do that. Right. Like, this is golf, right? right. Like, have some respect. Um, and then the crazy part on that same note is it, it's awesome. And I got goosebumps watching it, right? Phil's walking up and they kind of have to stop for Brooks to hit. And he had a pretty good shot up there. Um, and you kind of, the drone footage kind of shows like the people kind of like Phil's army behind him, right? Mm-hmm. It was a great scene, like right. nothing we've ever seen. Extremely historic moment in golf. To the, by two years, he's the oldest guy to ever win a major championship. So good for him. He deserves it. He outbattled the other players, the course, all this stuff, all these really great feelings. And then all of a sudden, the drone gets high enough and kind of pans up enough towards the green, and you realize there's another crowd already surrounding the green. Yeah, right. Like, how yeah. did security let those people get out there? <laughs> yeah, right. because what are you, the marshals doing? Right. Yes, and and so you realize, like when Tiger won at East Lake, and those people were following him, it was really amazing because they literally walked with him the length of the hole. Right, I thought that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that somehow security had already broken down, and there was twenty people deep around the green, and they had to fight for five minutes to get through that. Oh man, it was yeah, that was. That, that was, was crazy insane. to me. It was yeah, that was insane. Literally, I was, they I was had thinking, to have a police escort to get through those guys. Like five of them, five yeah. policemen, like surrounding Phil just so he can get to the green. But it's just it's one of those things for me where I'm like, oh my god, like this is like to me that's scary, right? Like what happens if you end up like people in a rush and drunk or whatever? One guy trips. I mean, it's like a domino. Like everything kind of happens, right? And what what's to say that like somebody doesn't abs- like just jump on Phil and like hurt him before he gets to the green, or or even Brooks for that matter, who's in this already group got a bulky, to, already got a right? bulky knee, right? Yeah, already messed up and like those kinds of things. But like my feeling was like, man, it clearly you can tell that like the the PGA the the people who train the volunteers for the PGA Championship like did not train them for this. Like did they weren't ready for this. That, right. They didn't anticipate <laughs> they, that happening. Huh? They were not anticipating Phil Mickelson winning the golf tournament. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was, I mean, obviously like Tiger, like we just, Tiger like said, like, Tiger in 2018 at tour championship, um, the chance of Phil, the chance of lefty kind of reminiscent of Tiger at the masters in 2019. Uh, so, and, and I think it should be, I mean, the, he's, he's obviously the second greatest golfer of our generation. Um, and, and would clearly have been the best golfer of our generation, uh, had it not been for Tiger, um, I think. And, and so, um, I mean, well-deserved and, and obviously, um, is like you have said, um, he's the people's champ, like everybody loves Phil. And, um, and so, yeah, but, but definitely was scary. Like I, I actually thought like when I was watching it, cause I was watching on my phone, like, when I was watching, I thought a guy literally like tried to jump on Phil's back. 
Like I literally That's what it looked like. It looked like a guy tried to jump on his back as he was walking to the green. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? How does this even happen? Um, but yeah, so um scary stuff and like do you think Phil was bothered by that or do you think Phil like kind of been or being around being a veteran didn't have any issues with that how do you feel like brooks felt about that so a combination of both i think that stuff does bother phil but i also think phil is a veteran enough and he's savvy enough and i think he's formed his image being that guy yeah so he knows that maybe you know his agent is going to contact the pga later and be like listen you guys (laughs) got to fix this this can't happen again right but Mm. he would never show that to the public Right. There's plenty of examples out there, and and the focus should be on his golf and how great he played this week. But there's plenty of examples out there where if you yelled the wrong thing at Phil back in the day, he got you kicked out of tournaments. Right, yeah. And so Phil is acutely aware of fans and how he needs to act when the cameras are on, and and maybe he's a little bit different, his personality, as, as I would imagine most of those guys probably are. Uh, when the cameras are on and, and when, you know, he, he needs to act a certain way, You're right. let's just say. Yeah. So I, I absolutely believe it bothered him. But at the same time, he was probably a little euphoric. Uh, he can put up with a little bit of that because he was about to win a major. Right. Now, Brooks, I can imagine he was pretty, uh, he, he'd be pretty peeved about it. Yeah. What do you think, Bob? Yeah. I mean, I, it, I, I think Nate's right. He, he, outwardly, you know, I, I think Phil is a, a, I think he relishes the moment, right? Just like mm. every great athlete does. Uh, but uh, it was probably a little bit too much. I, I don't think any athlete wants anyone touching them, you know, like physically touching them, mm-hmm. uh, especially when they hadn't uh, finished their round. I mean, they still had putts to make. They still, it, it, that, that was a little, perhaps right. a little much. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I, I I was wondering this, and I'd, I'd be interested to you know this the the idea um, the idea like that it, um, what Phil w- what came out about Phil and Brooks from like when Brooks was like eight years old at the Masters. You guys, did you guys see <laughs> yeah. this story? Did you see this, Bob? I don't know yeah. if you saw, it, but like, like you know, he's like he asked Phil for an autograph, and Phil said no, and he was like, I guess I'm the only kid who's ever been turned down by Phil Mickelson. And then, but Phil Mickelson goes, well, he was in the parking lot; he wasn't supposed to be in that position. You know what I mean? It's like, and I probably it's kind of one, told him that too, right, and I probably told him yeah. that too. So it was, it was, uh, it was probably one of those things. Like for me, like no one else knows that about Phil, right? But like. That's kind of how I feel like he probably feels about these fans. And I take Phil as kind of a guy who is like a golf kind of upholds the standard of the game. Like I think that I think what the game represents, like I think he has fun with it and those kinds of things with like his bomb videos and like that kind of stuff and his Instagram posts and things like that. But like but I think ultimately like he is a traditionalist of the game and he believes in the he believes in um, I. Man, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't. I can't even think of it right now. But it's like right there. Um, such an idiot. Um, but like that, that, like that aspect of the game where it's like it's just that traditionalist mentality, um, it, where you know you do things, things the right way and you do it with a touch of class and you do it with a touch of um, just character. 
and uh, and that's what golf kind of exudes i think around the world of sports is is kind of that it's that classy sport um and and so i think the one thing i've realized watching golf and and being a golf fan who who also kind of likes the classy nature of golf and the fun aspect of golf but i do think that there is a touch of class to golf that maybe other sports are a little bit more rough around the edges uh you can tell when the the people who are at tournaments are people who are more other sports fans than they are golf fans. Um, like they don't, point. they just, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and I think that when you get to a tournament like this, that's probably a lot of the case, right? I mean, it's a big tournament and sports fans are going to be there, not just golf fans. And so things like this, that, that happened on 18 could more likely happen. And you got to be aware of that because of, because of the fact that like, you probably have some people that don't uphold the same standard for the game of golf that, that ultimately these professionals are upholding and that the PGA of America upholds at every club that they operate in, you know? That's so. true. M- maybe some of those folks are more used to attending an SEC football game than they are yeah. a PGA Tour event. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, a Clemson football game or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Good point. So, um, so the other thing, speaking of that, you know, kind of traditional ideas, um, you know, old. I consider golf to be somewhat of a throwback or old school in that manner, in that yeah. most of the guys will call penalties on themselves, and you know, it it just reminds you of how things maybe used to be. And I agree with you that you know that that's not necessarily traits or characteristics that exist in other sports. You don't necessarily see it. Not that you don't, but it's more prevalent in golf than I think right. in other sports, right. and it has a more honorable feel to it. One of the things that I think you and I kind of jokingly discussed was how bad are Nike clothes now? Oh my <laughs> gosh, dude. Like, what are they doing? Are they trying to start some kind of revolution? Like, the denim patch, like, and I know it's not denim, I'm sure it's performance, you know, dry fit performance yeah, material, but like still... the blue patches and the like weird block designs. Like, I don't know if they got that straight off of something Justin Bieber was wearing a couple weeks ago, but that looks like who they're trying to like sell clothes to now. It's like, why in the heck is Tony Finau wearing that? Oh, I know. And it's, gosh, it's so bad. It's just like it. I don't, I don't think that there is anything worse in the game of golf right now than what Nike is putting out for major championships. And you know, these players hate it. They have to hate it. Like the the attire that they put out for the Masters, the attire that they put out for this, it's just so bad. And it's been that way for a couple of years. I mean, like when Brooks won at Beth Page, it was bad. Yeah. And it just continued. I mean, it's still well, bad. Well, because that Beth it's, Page, they thought it was funny because they picked up on that. I mean, it was ugly, but it yeah. was ironic to some extent that, like, I guess everybody was focusing on, like, no denim allowed. Ugh. And so they made denim stuff. Yeah. Like the Nike swooshes and the, you know, and it was like denim accents. And it's like, you guys are on a golf course. This is dumb. <laughs> this, yeah. Well, it, and it, I think it, they're, I, I mean, I do think they're trying to change it up and, and market to a different generation that I don't belong to right. and maybe appeal to a wider audience. Um, but one but, of the things that I like about golf is the, I don't want to call it traditional because I, I do think there's a ton of performance, uh, you know, materials and and stretch materials that that make golf really comfortable but i do like traditionally looking striped polo shirts yeah i mean that's what i like to wear (laughs) not like really weird or wild stuff 
Like it was a big deal when Ricky Fowler came out and started wearing all orange, right? Right, right. Like that's that's something, but that's not this, right? Yeah. And so Nate, you're it, just uh, it, you're, you're just an old curmudgeon, man. I yeah, guess yeah, I'm yeah, the yeah. get off my lawn guy. I don't know when I yeah. turned into the get off my lawn guy, but I feel like Nike Golf needs to get off my lawn. <laughs> Like they need to get off my lawn and take their ball with them and go home. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, I Just personally sign me up for some Peter Millar, please. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so let's let's take into account who you are, right? You're six foot seven, six foot eight, something like that, and you know, you're a bigger guy, you're a tall guy, and and let's be honest, like Nike mostly makes things that are that are fit for you know. Superior, your size. <laughs> superior athletes who are five nine and one hundred eighty five pounds, right? And and so um, no, I mean, I, but I so I as a person who actually likes Nike clothing, like I like Nike clothing for the most part because it fits me about as good as anything um, that I can find. The thing that I hate about it is the way that it looks. But like I, I love the way it fits. I hate the way that it looks, and I can't stand the fact that like so many of this stuff, like so many of the things that they have done. I, I will commend them. Like I feel like they, um, what they, what they did for Rory, I didn't feel like was unclassy at all. Like I felt like his, his, um, you know, I, I felt like his scripting for this week was very good. You know, kind of pale greens and navies. Um, yeah, with whites thrown in there, like didn't feel anything bad or ill will toward anything that he had on, but man, the, like the rest of the crew was just like, like, especially Jason day, yeah, Jason uh, day Tony Finau, Brooks, yeah. Brooks Kepka. Those three guys are really kind of the guys that always are kind of wearing that, you know, the, the, the weird stuff and it is weird stuff. And I, I absolutely, it looks, it looks horrible on those guys. Like it might look great on a 25 year old guy who's hanging out at the mall wearing Jordans with his girlfriend. I might, might look great on that guy. looks terrible on Jason day. And I'm yeah. ter- and, and I hate watching, like I hate watching Jason day have to wear that stuff just to be a Nike guy. Like, well, just, I mean, just, it, just go, just go get a link soul deal. Jason day, please. Or, oh yeah, or but, something but like just link get soul a different isn't deal. going to pay him $10 million a year. Like well, Nike did 10 years ago. Well, still I'm just, so I'm yeah. I, like, that's the thing about them is, you know, I'm sure they don't like it, but ultimately their bank account does when they deposit <laughs> that check. Well, I'm sure. So, I'm sure. but at you know, the same while time, they'd rather wear something else, I don't think it bothers them, but it certainly gets on my nerves. Like, is this where I, I hope other golf clothing manufacturers don't think that that's but, but you wouldn't, I don't know, but you wouldn't think, go. you wouldn't think that that would be true. Right. Cause I mean, like I, we wouldn't ever accept endorsement deals from somebody that we wouldn't actually game, you know, like if somebody came to us and asked us, Hey, would you guys please represent our brand or whatever for, you know, this thing or that thing, whether it's a range finder or a golf grip or, you know, anything like that. Like we wouldn't actually use it. If, if, like if we weren't actually going to use it, we wouldn't endorse it no matter how much money. If they paid us right? $10 million, we would. Hey, okay. Nine, 10 million, nine, nine, maybe nine, 10 million. I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, that's, I'm not joking. That's probably what Jason day gets paid to be a Nike athlete. Well, like, so I, I, I mean, we can have this conversation on another pod, but those, those guys get paid a lot of money to do that. And yeah, they may not like it and they may laugh, and they may think, man, we need to get some better stuff because I'm sure they see all the feedback too. We're not the only ones saying this, right? 
Right. I mean, everybody is laughing at what right. they were wearing. Well, and anybody and anybody who's not like a golf guy probably doesn't necessarily know that like Nike is scripting that. But gosh, like it's, it's bad. It's bad. It's but really if bad. if a rangefinder company came to us and said, "Hey, uh, here's a rangefinder or a launch monitor." I know Bob's been testing oh, launch monitors recently, yeah. right? Yeah. And you get and one, they Bob. Were, and they not were yet. offering to on. pay us a certain amount. Uh, whether we thought they were good or not, like there's an amount that I would say some things just to say it. That's absolutely true. Well, there you go. To anybody who's listening, Nate yeah. does have a price tag for his soul. Well, I'll so. be honest, but I'll, I mean, I'm not going to lie. But just because I don't necessarily like it doesn't mean I won't yeah. talk about the strengths and, and okay. won't say the positive things that exist about it. All right. Does that include Callaway? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I, mean, I could get him I, on that one. I knew yes. I could get him no, on that one. No, the answer to that is yes, because I know I know Bob plays Callaway, and I do respect Bob's game, and I could find <laughs> positive things to say. I may not play the stuff, but I'm going to take some checks, and I'll let you guys do the talking. I'll just sit here and look at my bank account balance. All right. So, so it'll be fine. So uh, but some other, other kind of quick hits. <laughs> What do you guys think? Like, so I think there were a couple surprising guys that were cut. You know, DJ. Yeah. Misses like only the first. I I, th- I saw this stat the other day. Um, there's only one other time that the world number one has missed cuts in two consecutive majors, and that was Greg Norman in 1997 because he was going through a swing oh. change and he and he'd hmm. been hurt. Hmm. Um, and so it makes you wonder what's what's up for DJ for the rest of the year, and are you somewhat surprised? I just think he doesn't care right now, man. To be honest, like Focus. what he, yeah, what he, what he said at, after winning the Masters, I have not seen from him. Like he said, he was just going to go grind it out from this point on, and he's going to work as hard as he could work. And to be honest with you, like I don't think he's done that, and I don't think he wants to do that. <laughs> I think he got pretty, uh, pretty excited and pretty happy with his win at Augusta in the fall, and I think he pretty much has cashed it in since then. And I hope and I pray that if he if he doesn't recover, like I hope and I pray that, like I mean I know he's going to be on the Ryder Cup team, but I hope that he he shows up for that event because I'm going to be I'm going to be ticked as an American <laughs> rooting for America in that event. And DJ hasn't played well for eight months. You know what I mean? Like that'll 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 not make me super excited about having him on the team, even though he is the world number one. You know? Well, I mean, well, if, hopefully if he's Ryder not Cup- by that point. Well, yeah, and if the Ryder yeah. Cup was next week, I mean, I, I think you got to hide him. I mean, I, I'm not. You don't. I don't think you put him out there for four or five different rounds. You know, because the stuff he does just see. Like I watched a lot of his first two rounds, and he he hits some great shots. It's it's a lot like watching one of us, to be honest. And Bob yeah. has told me this for years. Like if you watch three holes, if you somehow edit my round and watch three holes, somebody's going to think I'm going to go to Q school. <laughs> those guys that those guys yeah. at Pinehurst when we played number four with them thought we were we were like yeah. mini tour players. They for thought like we were really really old. good there for a while, and then like we both hit shanks on number five, and they were like, "Oh yeah, you guys." Well, that one. was also after we got soaked to the bone, but whatever, um, <laughs> circumstances and all. But <laughs> but that's what he was doing out there. He yeah. would hit great drives, great second shots, make a birdie, and you think, okay, that clicked. He's back. And then he hits one off the planet and can't find it. And then he tries to hit some kind of hero recovery shot and can't pull it off. Like, he seems lost. Yeah. I, and I, again, I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if he's not paying attention. But I, I really thought, 
Um, and I think I, I told you guys this story. I, I actually got the seventh draft pick, uh, seven of seven of eight, and I basically had a choice between uh, John Rom, Colin Marikawa, and DJ. Everybody mm. else was was taken. Um, uh, luckily, I went John Rom backdoor to top ten today, and I won the pool because nobody picked Brooks, and obviously nobody's picking Phil. Um, but I thought long and hard about DJ. And we talked mm-hmm. a lot about that on the pod, and I figured right. it might set up well for him. Right, um, but I, man, I just don't, I don't think he cares. And I agree yeah. with you; I don't think he's put the time in. It doesn't look like he has the focus, and I don't know what that means for him moving forward. But if he doesn't care about majors, I can't imagine he cares about the Ryder Cup. I'll yeah. throw that out there. Which um, another yeah. another American Ryder Cupper who I was really surprised and and. Uh, Bob, I know you listened to the pod. Derek, I know you heard me say it. My favorite going into the week was JT. JT. Yeah. I thought this was JT's week. Ball striking, short game, putting. He was going to put it together. Shot. Ma- you you made that point on the pod, Derek, about how impressive yep. his shot making was yep. at, at Sawgrass and how he could work the ball and maneuver it and hit shots yep. when he's creative. Yep. In the wind, up, down, you know, on the ground, like that's the kind of stuff that he really he he could do, and he he really seemed to like. It mm-hmm. brings out the the artist in him a little bit, uh, and he misses the cut too. I I was shocked to see that. Right. Yeah. Well, and I I was too. I did, I did not expect that from JT. I did not expect him to miss the cut. He did. You know, to his credit, he he missed the cut literally by about an inch. Uh, on the 18th hole, he had a putt for birdie to to make the cut, and he missed it by an inch. Um, so, I mean, that, that that shows you that that just the the margin of error that there is on the PGA Tour, and and the margin of error that there is just in a in a round of golf for these guys that that you know really is inches that keep them uh, from from getting further um, in and and down the road in these things, but. But yeah, I mean, I was I was thoroughly surprised. More actually, more by JT than I was DJ. Like, I mean, For obviously, sure. I was more like I I would expect more out of DJ on a regular basis than maybe I expect out of JT on a regular basis. Um, although I think that maybe is starting to change a little bit. Um, but but ultimately, I think going in, I definitely thought JT had a chance to to contend and play really really well. Um, that like, I, I don't know that there's a guy that, you know, if, if his putting is on, I don't know that there's a guy that, you know, has a, has a more, I don't know, Complete. maybe Rory, yeah. but like, but kind of like another gear. Like, I mean, like he yeah. puts it into hyperdrive and it's like, man, like this guy can't miss, like he literally yeah. can't miss a shot. Um, and whatever he wants to do, whether it's cut it or fit or, or, or hit a low bullet, draw that's going to roll out a hundred yards um you know if he wants to hit it high if he wants to hit it low like he can do it anything he wants to do with the golf ball and so yeah i was really surprised that that the conditions gave him as much uh issue as they did um and uh yeah so it's kind of a kind of a bummer in that regard uh would have loved to see him around um he had a sponsor on his chest this week did y'all see that no who was it I don't even know, but somebody put their put put a brand on his chest for the first oh. time since his incident back at uh, was it a clothing Hawaii, brand or so. just a another? <clears throat> no, company. it wasn't a clothing brand. He's wearing okay. Grayson clothing still. Right. Well, uh, you know the story behind Grayson, right? Well, I mean, it's basically the same thing as RLX, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah, same. It's the same. same. <laughs> the the it's, guys. Right. The guys who started 
RLX, they they own a company that does distribution and manufacturing out of China, and that's what. Yeah, that's what Grayson, Grayson yeah, is. It's the Literally same, cut, the same, it's the same, yeah, shirt, same, yeah. same type of stuff, same manufacturer, right. different logo. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I, yeah, it's the same exact shirt, and and the but the but the thought process for me uh, was, you know, I I think I don't know this, I, it could be wrong, but. Um, I don't. I don't think Grayson is paying him to wear that stuff. I think City um, is is buying all of his shirts for him because they want their logo on his sleeve. Um, that was my thought process, um, and and he probably had something worked out where like, oh well, this is the same thing that I was wearing before, so yeah, I'll just take this. Well, um, I wouldn't. That, I don't know that that's exactly how that works contractually, but I wouldn't be surprised given that nobody else has picked him up. And I don't yeah. know this. I wouldn't be surprised if he hasn't worked out something with RLX, where yeah. all, all completely off the record, you know, not ever going to be made public because it's not the kind of thing that needs to be made public. But he's going right. to take some kind of course or class or have you know do some kind of public service, and yeah. RLX is going to bring him back. Yeah. Otherwise, I think somebody else would have signed him already. Yeah. Well, that could be. That could so be I wonder snakes, if but. RLX still isn't paying him something. Maybe not right. the the totality of right. that contract, but something it, while he works towards this and and he can kind of start rewearing the brand. But that's another thing. Right. So, Bob, bigger surprise, Ricky, somewhat in contention. I that was, or JT that was, missing the cut. Uh, well, I, I'll say if I can. Ricky in contention for sure. I think so. <laughs> Well, and it was well, a huge surprise to me. That was the surprise of Friday. Is JT not being around for the weekend? That was the biggest surprise. Well, I but don't think it's just I, JT, but yeah, JT, uh, DJ, and Xander—that's that, three Ryder Cuppers. They all yeah, missed, for sure. Right? Yeah, guys and who then, you would. Yeah, absolutely. You would think they would all at least make the cut. Maybe not all. You know. Well, men, all be in contention. No, they they're should. all. Yeah, they're all talented enough. But uh, it was actually really good to see Ricky, and that was. Uh, extremely shocking to me uh, that's yeah, if you're trying to figure out you know is it uh, w- which would have been more likely if i had to put bet money on one of the one or the other uh guys have bad weeks so you know i'll chalk up jt and, and xander to a bad week and dj to a bad half year but uh, uh ricky actually putting 36 holes together to make the cut and then 36 more to backdoor a Actually, I guess he didn't get a top ten, did he? Was he in a top ten? I he... thought he was. Yeah, was top nine. He yeah, had a, he had T, a T eight. I a, think he had a chance to be in the top five. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I, I like seeing that. I, I like Ricky. He's one of my favorite golfers out there. Well, he did get yeah. a special exemption, so it's a it's a good way to show the PGA and and any other parties who may be offering him an exemption because you know his play really hasn't done a whole lot for him. Uh, that he's going to take that seriously and and compete, right? And yeah. and so I think that that's great for everybody involved, and m- most of all golf, because I think a a successful Ricky Fowler is is great for golf. Right. No, I I, I love Ricky. I think he's one of my favorite players on tour. Um, and and so, you know, I think he has a lot to offer to the game and a lot to offer to the growth of the game. Uh, you want him to be playing well, and you want him to look like he. <laughs> I, I felt I felt so bad for him because I like because he he just seemed to be struggling so mightily, you know, like I it just you could tell like he was getting somewhere with his swing because he'd have nine hole swings or five hole swings at certain tournaments, and he would make he was even making cuts like he wasn't missing cuts really, 
Um, so he, but, but he just was not ever really contending for anything for a really, for a really long time. And, and, and I don't know that he will just, this will be that switch that, you know, he's able to start contending again, but I hope it is because where I think everyone and everybody, and, and this was, you know, we talk about the, the players, you know, poll on, on players and those kinds of things. Like, you know, when he won the players, he was the most overrated player on tour. Um, and, and I, and I still would say like, he's probably, you know, the guy on tour that people expected the most out of and have gotten the left, the, the least out of, uh, for the highest expectation. Um, you know, and I, and I think, you know, he's, he's been in an Olympics and, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, that, that a lot of other guys have not been able to do or, or will never get a chance to do. Um, and, and so he's had good form, but he's never, He's definitely hasn't achieved what what people expected him to achieve coming out of Oklahoma State. So, well, and I think he got the. I expected the kind of opposite. Um, he got paired with Speed today, which I yeah. think was great for right. both of them. Right, really, yeah. really, good really comfortable yeah. pairing. Those guys have played a ton of golf together. They're really good friends. You could watch. I watched a little bit of their feature group coverage. You know, yeah. They were giving each other fist bumps. The caddies were having a good time. Like I, I think that's what really allowed him to play some really good golf today. But I thought it, you know, Spieth would play better. I thought mm-hmm. it might have even, like, no laying up had a really funny tweet out there. <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, where they're like at the end of the round, it's a three horse race. That's right. Still just a three cor- uh, three horse race. Phil Brooks and Speed, and and I kind of believe that to some extent because you knew somebody was going to come out, and when I saw that he was paired with Ricky, who knows? Maybe he fires a sixty-five. Yep, and he you know he gets to five under, seven under, you know whatever that number is. Maybe right. he gets to that, and and it never really came together for him. But good for Ricky that he was able to take advantage of that exemption, playing a little bit better than having a great pairing on Sunday to uh, hopefully you know springboard and catapult the rest of his season. Yeah, for sure. You would hope that there would be some other tournaments as well that he's going to maybe pick up because of his good form. That you know, I know he would. He had taken some time off um, since he didn't. He was playing a lot before the Masters, trying to get in the Masters. Didn't get in the Masters, and he really taken a ton of time off since then. Um, just to I, you know, I think try and get his game in better form. Now that you see his game in better form, maybe you would hope that he would, you know start playing in a few more tournaments uh, leading up to, you know, some of these other big tournaments and, you know, the, the British and, and the U S open the British, a place where he's always played really, really well. He tends to play well on hard golf courses um, in general. Like, I mean, he, he does, he does play pretty well on, on difficult tracks. And so um, it's, you know, you'd hope that he would be able to maybe get a few more tour events in um, and, and get, into contention in some of those uh, before those other majors this summer. And, you well, know, who knows? Then, like maybe maybe he plays well enough to work his way into the Ryder Cup because that is a place that I think he really shines. I mean, we've seen that um, in the past, like match play and at the Ryder Cup specifically, he shines there. Well, and what I'm really curious about is, I mean, the U.S. Open, right, is that Torrey Pines. You know, he's from Southern California, right? He's He, he grew up, I think, a half an hour, 45 minutes from Torrey Pines. He's played there. I mean, it's got to be, you know, dozens or dozens of times. So he knows the course uh, really well. Um, so, you know, if he's got good form going into the U.S. Open, um, you know, maybe that'll, like you said, Dirk, springboard him to a Ryder Cup run. He's going to have to play really well to make up 
you know, some Ryder Cup points and into getting contention. But uh, he well, I think at it. this point he'd probably have to be a captain's pick, I would uh, right? Think, even if he won a major, right? But if he, but if he won, if he won a tour event and he and he contended, um, and and honestly, if he plays really, really well, works his way into the top tw- one twenty-five of the FedEx Cup, makes his way through the playoffs really, really strongly. Um, I mean, I think I think if he's contending at the end of the season, he, he could be one of those guys who who works his way up into that 20, 20, 20 range, and and he has to be considered because he has the experience and guys love him. Like yeah, I, I, for sure, like the yeah. guys on the team love him, and he shows up in those match play events and and you know like what he did in his first ever as a rookie, um, you know four down four to play comes back and gets a half. Um, in singles against Molinari, like I mean, that's the kind of like things people expect from Ricky Fowler in the Ryder Cup, and so um, and really any team event. But I think um, I think that that's you know that's got to be considered if he's playing in, playing any well or, or playing in good form uh, come come the fall. Um, and and what do you guys think about Phil's chances now? Like I mean, I I, I think I think based off his points that he's going to get from winning this thing, he's going to be. Right around fifteen, right around that Scotty Scheffler number, Harris English, yeah, um, those guys. I mean, what do you think? What do you I think, think he's he... he's a um, he's like Tiger for any of these events, in my yeah. opinion. If he's playing well and he wants to play, yeah, the captain is going to give them an automatic pick if they want it. Okay, and I think they deserve it. Yeah, you know, it's it's like Fred Couples and you know with the um, what's the U.S. versus the world. The President's Cup? President's yeah, Cup. Right. It, you know, Tiger kind of, back back in the day, he, he was hardly playing, was hurt on and off, and, you know, that's basically what Fred Couples says. If yeah. Tiger Woods tells me he wants to play, he's going to be on the team. Like, yeah. Right. I, I think the, with Phil winning a major uh, and his history in the Ryder Cup, I think he's deserved it. I do think the, the captain's Steve Stricker, right? Right. Correct. I do think the captain, you know, and, and him and Stricker go way back. I'm, I'm sure they played a ton of golf together. And so Stricker's going to have to say, listen, Phil, I know you're going to want to play every time. I know you're going to be really competitive, but like, there's a chance that you, know, you may only get out twice. Right. And you know, I think you just have to be open and honest with everybody. And I think that's what the U.S. team is trying to do a little bit more of. Right. Um, so that, uh, but yes, if he wants to play and he's in decent form, I think he is a captain's pick if he doesn't uh, qualify. Do you think he does want to play? Yes. Yeah. I do without a Absolutely. doubt. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So but you don't we'll, think that he would be like, well, you know, I I really want to play, but I think there are guys who are more deserving than me. No. Phil you Mickelson is no. never like you don't do what he just did if that's what you think. <laughs> okay. Right. Do you know what I now, mean? I think that's Well, a, I mean everybody thinks that Phil is thing. like really nice guy though, right? So I'm just wondering like is that he, is, he is, is that a possibility I, for him? He's uber competitive, right? He wants to beat everybody. Right, that that that's how you win six majors. That's how you win. I don't know, forty some odd events, uh, however many events you want. Uh, but that said, it's a long time until the Ryder Cup. You know, I know we're talking, you know, Fowler and Mickelson, and those know, are big uh, ifs. Yeah, there's no, a big lot. Is. There's there's you know five more months of golf before you know uh, a lot of form can be lost in five months. But I I will say so. though, it's like a it's a lifetime achievement award in my opinion. Yeah. Now that he won a major this year, if he wants to play, he will be on the team. Okay. I and and to Derek's point, maybe, you know, Steve Stricker says, Hey, listen, you've got a spot if you want it, but you've got to tell me that you're playing good golf. 
Yeah. You know, I think he would understand that because Phil's going to be a captain soon. Right. And I think Phil would have that same expectation. I think that's what you do. You right. say, hey, we, you tell me if you're playing well, I'll pick you. If you right. want to do it and you're playing well and you want to help the team, because I do think there's a, a leadership aspect, an experience yeah. aspect. That, that's what the Europeans have. They have those older guys who don't play very much that kind of hang around, whether they turn it, you know, they kind of go from being aged players to being vice captains to being captains. Right. Right. And so I think if Phil is playing, well, I, it, it's a foregone conclusion that if he wants to, he'll be there. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that like it's one of those things where, especially if he's anywhere inside the top 20, top 25 in points, um, if he if he has any form going in, I mean, he's going to – He's going to have some consideration um, as one of those captain's picks, and I think he should. And 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 I think you know the U.S. team is going to have probably as many first timers on the team as they ever have. Um, maybe this time uh, by just qualifiers alone, that there are going to be a lot of guys who probably are in that qualification realm that um, maybe are I mean we'd never have seen or really heard about um playing in these events. I mean guys like maybe Sam Burns, guys like Daniel Berger, um they the you know like those I kinds of guys, Xander Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley never played in a Ryder Cup. Cup. Yeah. Yeah, Colin so Morikawa. Colin right. so you got you got these guys that you you'll want you'll want some guys who have some of that experience and know what to expect going into this thing. And um and and I mean I don't know I've never played Whistling Straits I think uh, Bob you have but my guess is it probably plays a little bit like Kiwa maybe Whist- uh, Whistling Straits is, is like a northern version of Kiwa I mean it's, yeah it, it uh, and it's it, it's in is, is the record in September or October this year September it's like the Today, third week in September I, you know the the weather is going to be dicey up there I mean Wisconsin in September can be beautiful and it can be ugly right so. <laughs> You, you you could easily get you know those twenty mile hour winds coming off <laughs> yeah. the the lake. Yeah. You gotta well, so yeah, it is a. It, it, I think Q and and um, Derek you even said this Stricker's pairing right. I, I think he was paired with Berger and I forget who else he was paired with. Horschel. I, I, yeah. Was that on accident? I was like, did he pick <laughs> did he tell the PGA of America because the Ryder Cup is a PGA of America event? Did he tell the PGA of America that, that he wanted he wanted this pairing just to see these guys firsthand? Like I mean that's Yeah, I know? think so. <laughs> <laughs> so Bob, Nate, do you guys have anything to, to wrap up with tonight? Yeah, just it was uh historic, right, to watch this and it is so much fun. Uh, we've had, you know, we, we had an awesome Masters, right, with the first ever Japanese player uh, winning a major, the Masters. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Phil winning the PGA uh, just gets you pumped up for, you know, what's left from uh, the U.S. Open and the Open uh, later this year. Yeah, for Completely sure. agree. As a golf fan, you couldn't ask for any more than what you got today. The yeah. coverage, the, the, the time coverage was amazing for the PGA. Hats oh, off yeah. to ESPN and CBS. Yeah. I think that oh, yeah. we, we should all say that as a golf fan. The fact and and somebody who happened to be on vacation the latter part of the week, right. the fact that you could watch golf very easily from seven a.m. to seven p.m. Literally every shot with great coverage uh, and analysis, play by play. It couldn't have been any better. 
I, I wish yeah. every tournament, I certainly wish every major was like this. Yeah. Um, hopefully everybody will, all these companies, the tour, uh, all of the other entities that put on the majors will put on the, this really positive vibe and momentum uh, and, and feedback that comes from this, because I think this is what you need to give the fans, especially in a situation where there's not a ton of fans being at tournaments. In 2021, we should be able to have coverage like this for every tournament, certainly for the majors. And I hope yeah. that's what we get yep. moving forward. Yeah, no, I loved, I loved the the coverage. It was great all week long, and and that that was something. Yes, uh, absolutely, echo that. Uh, Twelve hours of coverage each and every day um, was just it was awesome to be able to watch it from seven to seven. Wake up at seven in the morning, turn it on, eat breakfast, and watch it all day long while you're doing things around the house or whatever you're doing. Uh, run out to the store, run out to do whatever you got to do. Go play around at golf, come back. It's on. You catch up uh, to what's going on. You got plenty of highlights. Got plenty of coverage. It's so cool. Uh, so so hats off to ESPN. Uh, hats off to. Uh, the people at CBS and and the PGA of America to make that possible, make it happen, and in that collaborative partnership that they have, um, it was it was fantastic. As always, thanks for tuning in to the Front Nine Podcast. Make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, do all those things, and uh, we will be back with you very soon uh, for your listening pleasure. So thanks again for tuning in and making this podcast a great podcast to be a part of. And uh, we will talk to you later. Thanks.